much. Um, so let's go ahead and get started this evening, though. And as Brother Jason said, my topic is grace alone, sola gratia. Again, grace alone, salvation by grace alone. And when I think of grace, you know, my mind goes to that kind of that song that was just sung, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And it sounds so simple, and it is simple, but we make it complicated. You know, you would think at Sovereign Grace Baptist, we would have grace all figured out, but, but we sure don't. It is, it's this amazing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It sounds so good. It sounds so simple, but when we get to the wretch like me, our mind plays tricks on us. We're like, wait, I'm not that bad. It doesn't take that much grace to save me. It took a lot more grace to save you than it did me. You know, we try to rationalize that grace. And, you know, I found in my short ministry that there is much confusion concerning the word grace. And we believe that grace means unmerited favor. And yes, it does. And there is just as much confusion concerning the word unmerited as there is concerning the word grace. So then we try to simplify it even more, saying, you know, to say, you have done nothing to earn or deserve salvation. It is freely given to you. Then the response might be, oh, like a gift. Yes, but what if our mind then sees the picture of grace as a pretty wrapped box with a bow on it that we think we deserve just because we turned a year older? If you know what I mean, um, it isn't, isn't it how we were raised to somewhat believe we deserve gifts? I know many kids out there that if they wouldn't have got a gift from their mom or dad, that would have been a bad thing. I mean, you know, what would happen if you didn't give your son or your daughter that gift? You think about that. Children believe they deserve that gift, even though they did nothing to earn it, except to live life, get a year older, and maybe try to be a pretty good person. Keyword, try. Well, so from an early age, we've been raised to believe that gifts are deserved. We are entitled to them. So if we believe salvation is by grace that we deserve or are entitled to it just because we're living and we're a pretty good people, then we have a distorted view of what salvation by grace alone really means. And so in our text this evening, Paul is going to paint a very clear picture, a very precise picture of what sola gratia or grace alone means. He's going to be kind of harsh on us. He's going to beat us up a little, but it's, it's the truth. And these verses are probably what most of us think when we say, by grace you are saved. So please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 for our text tonight, verses 1 through 10. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And Paul says, And hath you, and you hath be, I'm sorry, and, hath, and you hath he quickened who are dead in trespass and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, the fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised up, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Lots being said here. The doctrine which we hold true is being said here. And what I give you tonight are not my words, but the, the scripture, the authority of the scripture is what we have. And the first part Paul reveals, the first point Paul reveals to us is who we are by nature without God's quickening and without his grace. The sin against God by Adam in the garden was passed down to all humanity. Matter of fact, turn to Romans 5.12 and let's read what Paul says. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's what we have, sin. That's been passed down from Adam to us. Death entered the world because of sin. First, spiritual death, separation from God. Then physical death, separation from body and spirit. And ultimately, eternal death, separation into the lake of fire. Now, this is why Paul says in verse 1, you were dead in trespasses and sins. And you know, many of you, I'm sure, have. Jason, Brother Jason has, you know, I used to do some hunting and fishing. And you'll see on those fence posts, or even when we're driving down the road, we may see that sign, no trespassing. And that sign simply means, you're not welcome here. Go away. Move on. So this is Paul's way of saying, you are spiritually dead and separated from God because of your sin, and you do not have permission to be in his presence. Because of that sin. And not only do we not have permission, you, have, you are dead, so we have no ability to do anything about that. You know, of course, Paul is talking about spiritual death, but that word death simply means a corpse. 
And what can a corpse do upon its own? Nothing. It just lays there. You may have heard before, the only thing a dead body can do on its own is stink. That's the only ability it has. And without God's grace, we spiritually stink. So in the eyes of God, we are by nature spiritually dead. Without any ability, power, or hope of getting ourselves out of this unspiritual situation. Now turn to 1 Corinthians 2.14. Paul tells us of this condition again. Our natural man, our sinful nature, our inheritance from Adam. 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So if you're spiritually dead, there is no ability for spiritual discernment. We don't understand what this book is about. We don't understand God because we're dead. So we can only do what comes natural. Verse 2 of Ephesians here. We walk according to the course of this world, which is the realm of the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan himself. The spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. That is us. We are the children of disobedience. Satan. Who's Satan? Well, he's the father of those children. Turn to John chapter 8, verse 44. These are the words of Christ. Jesus says, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of it. You know, Again, like I said, we're going to beat us up a little bit tonight. Paul's pretty harsh with these words, but it's truth. So in verse 3, Paul tells us, again, we are all children of disobedience. We all sin in thought, word, and deed. And Paul gives us examples of what those sins are. Let's read verse 3 here once again. And he says, among whom also... We all had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So first, sin Paul reveals is the lust of the flesh. Our flesh is very lustful. And we must sin, verse 2, from verse, there, number 2, sin, fulfilling the desires of the flesh just as Adam and Eve did in the garden. And then also fulfilling the desires of the mind. You know, our nature is one, again, of spiritual death. Disobedience to God, bondage to sin, lustful desires, which deserves the wrath of God and a divine judgment. Again, 
I know you're getting tired of me hearing me say this, but again, by nature, we are spiritually dead. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None is righteous. No, not one. None doeth good. No, not one. The only thing we deserve from God is condemnation. We don't deserve grace. I cannot stress this enough. We are the children of disobedience. So verses 1 through 3 revealed our nature. And it's not at all a pretty picture. But, and we love verse 4, verses 4 through 10 reveal God's nature, His goodness, His power, His glory. Verse 4 is such a beautiful verse. It is where our hope lies. So let's read verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins. You know, but God, Paul says, but God. It's as if Paul is even amazed at God's goodness. We are so bad, verses 1 through 3, but but God is so good, verses 4 through 10. Number one, he is rich in mercy. Without God's mercy, there is no hope for humanity, none whatsoever. We are dead three times, spiritually, physically, eternally. You know, all humanity deserves hell. But God doesn't send people to hell. It's not his doing. It's just what we deserve because of our nature. But because of his rich mercy and great love, he saves people from hell, even though we are his enemies. God's love is not just love. It's great love. And we see this all over his word, all over the scripture. It's so great. You know, we think of verses like Romans 5, 8. Paul says that God commendeth, God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't have to do that. Favorite verse, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then another one from John, 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Herein is love. Not that we loved God. No, we hated God. We didn't want nothing to do with him because we couldn't spiritually discern it. But he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You know that word again, propitiation. It's not a popular word. It's not something we use very often, but it simply means God's wrath for us was bore by his son, Jesus. The wrath we deserve, Jesus took. We received mercy. Christ, deserved, Christ received our wrath from God. Jesus took our place. That substitutionary death, more grace that we don't deserve. But because of this great love, even though we were, again, his enemies and dead in sins, God, he didn't leave us in this state. Notice, again, verses 5 and 6, 
the three spiritual blessings he accomplished by his grace, by his power, by his might for us because there was no way we could do it. Verse 5, even, again, even when we were dead in sins, hath, uh, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The first thing God did by his power is he quickened us. He made us alive. Gave us spiritual life. Remember, again, we were dead. But now, by grace, are ye saved. Grace alone gave you a spiritual life, a new life, the gift of life, nothing else, grace. And, this, and the second power of God, second blessing, he raised us up. We were spiritually dead. Now we have a spiritual resurrection, a new beginning, again, a new life. We're a new man, a new woman. And then the third thing God does for us, he says, Paul says, he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We share with Christ the victory over sin and death. We have a relationship with him now. That's, the, the separation of sin and death has been repaired. It has been reconciled. We no longer are trespassers. We are welcome and put into his presence, amen, by his power and his glory. And then verse 7 wants us to share that power and glory with everyone, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Through our salvation by grace, God has demonstrated his mercy, his love, and kindness to a people who deserve nothing but wrath and condemnation. What an amazing grace. And may you share this amazing grace and how merciful and gracious and loving our Lord is. And then Paul reminds us again in verse 8 that all this happens, all this is done, by God's grace. So let's read the, the, the verse that we all know. Verse 8 here as Paul reiterates for a second time to emphasize it is by grace you are saved. But this time he adds in faith. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. For by grace alone are you saved, through faith alone, and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. God's gift of salvation is by grace alone. And that faith you have, the through faith, it is not of your own. It is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. God gives us faith and grace. So what does this do? This takes man, this takes you and me completely out of the process of salvation. Salvation is completely from God. By grace alone, 
through faith alone, in Christ alone. God has given us all three. Complete grace. And verse 9, it is not of works. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. It was completely by grace alone. It is a gift, so you have no reason to brag or boast or say, hey, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I've grabbed a hold of. The grace of God, salvation. We hear many people say, I chose Christ. I gave my heart. I gave my life to Jesus. Or even simply say, I got saved. This is a form of boasting. Why is it a form of boasting? Because we put I in there. I chose Christ. I chose. I gave. I did. You know, these phrases, they may be true, but they are only true because God has quickened you. He's the one who made you alive. He's the one who gave us the power, who gave us the ability. You know, Jesus says in John 6, verse 44, you know what, I'm going to have you, I'm going to have you turn there just so you believe me. Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 44, no man, I repeat, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. The Father lovingly draws. We don't even know what we're doing. It's just God's drawing. But the Father lovingly draws. It is his I mean, it is not your faith. It is not your ability. It's not even your choosing. But the Father's quickening, His lovingly drawing and gifting. That's what saves you and gives you spiritual ability. You know, it's, maybe it's simply better to say, the Lord saved me by grace alone. It was His gift to me. You know, I had nothing to do with it. He drew me to him. And by his power, we can respond. My sheep know my name. They, they, when I call their name, they come. Not because it was their faith, not because it was their desire, but it's because I called them. I spoke to them. I, gave, I called their name. But now, in verse 10, Paul speaks of this new creation because of grace and reveals the purpose of it. You know, somewhat the results of salvation is given in in verse 10. Let's, Let's go ahead and read that once again. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained. What? God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know, we are His workmanship. We're His new creation. We have been delivered from death unto life. We've been born again. A spiritual birth. 
And we had just as much to do with our spiritual birth as we did with our physical birth. Not a thing. Not a thing. Then created in Christ Jesus. Christ's death hath given us that new spiritual life. Because he died, we can live. And now we can do good works because we are now alive. No, not good works unto salvation, but good works because of salvation. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know, after salvation, the work begins. Grace is the means of salvation, while works are the evidence of that grace given. You know, Paul ends verse 10 by saying we should walk in those good works. And not only has God's grace given us a new life, it has given us a new walk, a spiritual walk, a life full of good works and bearing fruit, a life for purpose. Instead of the fleshly walk of verse 2 of, again, verse 2 of Ephesians, that fleshly walk of according to the course of this world and in the power of Satan. God has prepared for the saved in Christ to do works for His glory, but for our good. You know, I mean, think of Paul himself. Paul is a great example of God's grace. As Brother Tom was saying, you know, we hold Paul up here, but he's down here just like me and you. He's no different. And Paul reveals his position before God, his unworthiness, his unrighteousness, until grace got a hold of him. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, for I am the least of the apostles, that I'm not meet, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I but the grace of God which was with me. You know, Paul did not choose Christ. He admits it. It, w- it was the last thing on his mind. All he wanted to do was stamp out Christ, stop the growth, stop the believers in Jesus, all who believed. He didn't care if he killed them. So Paul didn't choose Christ. He didn't choose to be an apostle. God bestowed his grace on him. Paul says, by grace, I, uh, by, by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, you are what you are. God hath prepared for Paul a good work. And Paul says, I labored. I put in the effort. But truly, it wasn't I. But the grace of God, which was with me. Paul knows his position. Brother, he knows he's not up here. He knows he's not even here. But
But here, he's ground level because he persecuted the church. He fought against Christ. He kicked against the pricks. He denied. But you know, Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 16, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained or appointed you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. And that fruit should remain. You know, Jesus is telling his disciples the same thing Paul is telling us here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Jesus says, I have chosen you to bear fruit, and that fruit should remain. Paul says, you have been created unto good works, and you should walk in them. We are to walk, to live, to remain with the purpose of bearing fruit unto good works because of God's grace in us. Yes, this takes effort. Not effort unto salvation, but effort unto good works. You know, now no one said that life doesn't take effort. Life's not easy. Matter of fact, it's not even easy to go to the grocery store anymore. You got to fight for things. But life takes effort. It doesn't matter whether you're lost or whether you're saved. It takes the same amount of effort. Think of the effort Paul, I should say, think of the effort Saul, Paul, exhorted in trying to stop the growth and the belief in Jesus. Saul was spiritually dead. His work was of the devil. But when God bestowed his grace on Saul, Paul had a new purpose, a new walk, a new life, a new name. And he strived to do those good works for God. But Paul said, even though I work so hard, even though I strive so hard, it wasn't I, but God's grace with me. God empowered him by his grace. He empowers us by his grace. He quickens us. He makes us alive. Us that are dead in trespasses and sins. So, as we close, Brother Tom, you could have had 15 more minutes, I'm sorry. I pray that your view of salvation by grace alone is not a picture of a pretty rat box with a bow on it. It is so much more When we think of salvation by grace alone, we should picture the man Jesus hanging, nailed to a cross, praying to his Father, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's from Luke 23, verse 34. You know, when we're lost, we know not what we do. Why do we know not what we do? Because we're dead. We have no spiritual life in us. Until the Lord quickens us. That's grace alone. And you know, Christ, when he prayed to his father, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He's saying, Father, have mercy on them. I will willingly give my life 
and take your wrath that they, that we might live. So God honored that prayer. God gave his son and salvation through him by grace alone to all those who believe. 